Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. We get to get started this morning, and we're going to talk about some hazardous conditions. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was working on my mower with my son, Ezekiel. I've, I'm married to my amazing wife, Amanda, and I've got four awesome kids. And so my, my second one, Zeke, was with me. We're working on the mower. Got a picture of the master mechanic over here changing spark plugs. And uh, next one, he, got, he had to give him a chance to smile. He's, he's working on it. He's fixing our tractor. And as I was doing this, I was like, well, how often am I supposed to be doing this? And normally I'm pretty on top of it. I was a little bit late this time. And I'm like, ah, oh, like, am, am I late? Like, how often should I be doing it? And I, I looked and there's these maintenance schedules for my mower. But when you look at these schedules, they have this regular schedule. And then they have like hazardous conditions schedule. I'm like, hazardous conditions? It's a mower. But it's like, oh yeah, if it's super hot, if you're doing lots of hot, lots of dusty, lots of this, that, then that's hazardous conditions and you need to do your maintenance more frequently. You need to change the oil more often and these filters more often. And like, okay. Like, well, you know, my car has that too. If you look in your car maintenance, it's like, this is normal driving conditions, maintenance schedule. And there's hazardous conditions, maintenance schedule. And it's not just, hey, you drove fast, but it's like, hey, if you're driving in these extreme temperatures, lots of quick start stops, and it goes through this list, defines hazardous and says, if you do that, then you need more maintenance. And it's not even just mowers and vehicles, like your phone. Um, hazardous conditions. I am not talking about when you hand it to your three-year-old because that is hazardous on a phone. But what I'm speaking of is when... Uh, the battery, for instance. I have someone who I will leave nameless who was constantly complaining about their phone battery. And their battery just died and we could plug them in at the same time. And at the end of the day, I would have battery. At noon, they, their battery would be dead. And I'm like, how do they keep getting bad phone batteries? And, and it was like one phone after another. It didn't seem to matter. They always seem to get a bad phone battery. I'm like, what is the story? And then finally, we got an app that tells you how many hours or minutes you used the screen and used everything, and we figured things out. They used their phone more by noon than I used my phone by the end of the day. And it wasn't that their phone battery was bad. Theirs just had more exhausting conditions, more screen runtime that their phone had to deal with, and so it had to be plugged in more frequently. This is true of my mower, this is true of my car, this is true of my phone, and this is true of us. And if I was to look at this year, I think I would say this year has been hazardous conditions. I don't think anyone's going to argue that point with me, but it's just to, to ponder it, I was looking at a, a video, I think it was on Facebook a while ago, and they had like a, somebody who supposedly time traveled and went back in time and talked to themselves in like early February. And they're like, you know, what do you think's gonna mark this year? They're like, oh, the Australian wildfires for sure. And when I watched the video, I'm like, oh yeah. That was a really big deal. Like they had fires that raged for nine months and destroyed millions of acres and like all of this different stuff. And I'm like, whoa, but I don't live in Australia. I, I have, but I don't presently. And, 
And that seems so far removed already because of all that's happened. And I'm going through, I'm like, well, we had that, but then we had COVID. And then once we, COVID hit, then there came the quarantines and the schools shutting down and, and graduations being stopped and businesses being shut down. And then there was the murder hornets and then George Floyd and protests and riots and politics. And, and the list goes on. And if it wasn't even for the, the list of things that happened, just the way that people have dealt with some of the things make it hazardous conditions. Instead of loving each other and helping each other through it, we've been, a lot of people have been pointing fingers, blaming and tearing each other apart. And, and it's created rough conditions. And I would say this is, this is important times to, to charge, to be plugged in, to do more maintenance. But, but I'm not a car. I don't take oil. Uh, you don't have to change my air filter. And I'm not a cell phone that plugs into the wall. So, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we stay healthy during hazardous conditions? And that's what I really want to talk about today. So as I was looking, I'm like, well, what does the Bible have to say? And I actually found Genesis chapter 1 addresses this subject. So we start in our Bibles, first book of the Bible, first chapter, and God is making things. And when he makes things, in Genesis chapter 1... Verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Here's my wife's plant. I stole it this morning. I got her permission, just so you know. I asked, what plant can I take? I, no, I may, I think, asked if I could take a plant, and she was, she was kind. So, here's, here's a plant, and when God gets ready to make the plants, he goes, let the earth spring forth. And he speaks to the ground. And he declares the ground to be the source for the plant. This is where the plant is going to have its life sustained. This is where it's going to find nourishment. What happens to a plant if you remove it from the dirt? It dies. It doesn't even take that long. But it doesn't like happen instantly. It's not like you pull it out and instantly it's like, oh, and like shrivels. That would be weird. Um, my kids would probably go around pulling out lots of things. Like, look, watch this. And like shrivels. But, that, but that's not how it works. But, it, but it, it, it will die. My wife loves landscaping, so I've been doing lots of landscaping, and that's just how that works. And so there was a flowery tree, and she's like, we have a we were We looked at them at the store, and then she looked in our yard. She's like, there is a flowery tree. It's just over there. It's just surrounded by things that aren't pretty. Remove them. And so a bunch of things got hacked up, cut up, and removed so that the tree that has flowers in the spring is now easily visible for my wife. But I, I take all these other things, and I make a big old pile, and it's, just, it's as pretty as a pile of random stuff can be. It's, it's still green and, and, and lush as I just chopped it down, ripped it up, and all of that. But I didn't get it removed instantly. You give it two days, you go back, it's not pretty green anymore. It's now brown, crispy grossness. Why? Because it's not connected to the ground anymore. God said to the, to the vegetation, he says, your source will be the ground. He spoke to the ground, said, ground, bring this forth. And there has to stay a connection. Like my fish. They're like Nemo designed, but not quite Nemo colors. But anyways, here's my fish. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, 
God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And God speaks to the water and he says, fish, this is going to be your source. The water. This is where you will live. If you remove a fish from the water, what happens? It dies. I mean, it can, it can handle it for a minute. Like you can take it out and it's like, oh, look, I caught the fish, remove the hook, throw it back. It's fine. But if you leave the fish out, the fish dies. That is the way it works. God spoke to the waters. The water is the source where the fish is sustained. Do we have some kids in here? For those that are watching online, we have no res kids right now, courtesy of COVID, but we are having church and we are all in here together as a family. And we love you guys that didn't make it, possibly because you have a load of kids or you're on vacation. But we love you. Glad you're here. But for the kids that are in here, see some more kids back here. Uh, boom, there it goes. Uh, toss some, some fish. But, but God spoke to the fish. And I was actually, I was riding in the car with my son, Ezekiel, the other day. I said, okay. He spoke to the ground when he made the plants. He spoke to the water when he made the fish. So what do you think he spoke to before he made us? He thought, and he goes, the earth. So that's actually a really good answer. He spoke to the ground before he made the rest of the animals. But that's not what he spoke to when he, when he made us. What do you think he spoke to? And we looked in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. God said, I am your source. You want to live? You stay connected to me. We are to be connected and I will produce life in you and through you. And he declared himself of our source. And just like the fish out of water or the vegetation ripped out of the ground, if we disconnect from the source, the life will begin to shrivel up and dry up in us because we were not meant to do it on our own. We were meant to be plugged in to the source. And this is, this runs throughout the Bible. This isn't just like, hey, here in Genesis, this is the way that it looks. If you skip into the New Testament, Jesus reflects on this very principle. He says uh, in John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And he goes, I am your source. If you want to produce fruit in your life, you have to stay connected to me. Uh, in I like verse five in the Passion Translation. It says it this. It says this. It says, I'm sprouting, I'm the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. He goes, you need to be connected to me. You need to be connected to the source. And this is so important, but there's a, in verse 1, he says something really, really important. There's this important word. In verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. If you're saying that you're the true vine, there's a reason. I don't have to tell you guys, you are on the true earth. <laughs> like, as opposed to what? Like, we know they're, 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 this is our only earth. There's not like, hey, I'm on another one. So when he says, I am the true vine, 
It's letting us know that there is false vines. That there is other things and other sources that people will try to connect to. Things that people will try to plug into. People that will try to connect to, to entertainment, to, to a job that will try to go, here, if I can just make this number of sales, then I'll be fulfilled. If I can just connect to, to this or to that, it will, it will fill me. Let, me. let me, let Bob help us. All right, everybody. <clears throat> Where, where's the face on this one? Meet Bob. Here's Bob. So Bob is with us to kind of help demonstrate a little bit about plugging in to our source because Jesus says that he is the true vine. Oh, marvelous. Bob needs this. This is a plug. When he's not connected to a source, Bob feels empty <laughs> and deflated. Thing is, Bob's not the only one who feels empty and deflated sometimes. A lot of times we're feeling like we need to have, we're designed to be connected to something. And when you're connected to nothing, you, you, you're empty. The problem is a lot of us connect to the wrong things. Whether it's going, hey, it's just going to be some entertainment to get me through the day. Whether, I know a lot of people through COVID, that was kind of what they did. They're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to connect to Netflix. I'm going to connect to, some are going, no, but this, 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 I was unconnected because my source was my job. It was my identity. I was successful and I made lots of money and now my business is closed. And, and for others, you're going, hey, it's, it's these relationships that I have. This is my source. This is what I've connected to. Or they go, no, hey, I've been connected and trying to plug into alcohol to try to make all the pain go away. Or it's internet shopping. It's, it's, uh, inappropriate content, it's, it's relationships, it's drugs, it's different things where they're going, hey, I'm, I'm trying to plug in. But if we plug this into the source, something happens. I gotta get out of the way before Bob hits me. Now, if, if Bob is connected to the source, Bob is excited, Bob's dancing, he's having a party, he's feeling fulfilled, and even when things hit him, he doesn't care. But when he gets disconnected, see, it's funny, that when, he's, when he's connected to the source, I can actually punch him, hit him, and he doesn't care. He just bounces right back because he's connected to something, filled with something, and filled with purpose and power. But when he's disconnected, all of a sudden it doesn't take anything and he's deflated and falls apart. And this is true of, of Bob, but this is true of us. But a lot of times we don't, we get it, we, we, we sit here, we go, okay, so I understand that things are rough. I understand that I can dry out. I understand that I need to stay connected to the source I even understand that God's supposed to be my source, but how? How do I connect to God as my source? And there's a beautiful picture of this in a story in Mark chapter 5. Jesus is ministering, and he is, he is, 
he's Jesus. This is awesome. And like the crowds are following because Jesus is there. And I don't know, it's weird. I've been watching The, the Chosen. I don't know if you, any of you guys have seen it. It's really, really cool. As they did this, they're just telling the story of Jesus on, on video, but just seeing it through different eyes. And part of it is I knew the story from when I was a little kid. So the story's like, I already know the end from the beginning, and so it kind of messes it up. But these people, they didn't know the end from the beginning. There was just this guy who brought healing, who brought power, who brought hope, who talked with authority. And so you've got this massive crowd. They're like, what is going on? I've got to check this out. And they're gathering around him. And somebody comes up and they're like, can you come pray for my kid? They're dying. And he's like, yeah, I'll come. And so he's heading out to go pray for somebody. But it is like a parade of one. Like, he's there, and it is this massive gathering of people. Everyone's going, I just want to hear. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? There is no Netflix. There is no Amazon Prime. There is no other entertainment. It's like, let's watch Jesus. What could happen? And so they're, they're all there, and as he's going through, they're all, like, packed around him. And when someone's on a stage, you can have a crowd, and you guys can all see the person who's communicating. But when you're just in, like, a crowd... There's the guy in the back's like, where, where? And they're like pushing forward. And then you're the person in front of them's like, they're just like this like blobby mob, like all around Jesus, trying to hear, trying to see. And, but there's this lady and she's in the crowd, but she's not supposed to be. The rules state that because of a medical condition that she has, she's supposed to stay away from everybody. But she goes, no, I heard about Jesus. There's something different. There is healing in him. He is the answer. He is the power. He is the source. If I can just touch the corner of his clothes, I will be healed. But there's a crowd. And, and I'm trying to think what's worded which way in the Bible and what is my picture in my head as I've heard this story. Because she may have been like some of those guys who just like kind of like slip to the crowd. Like if you've been in a crowd and like someone decides that they should be in front of you and they're all just like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. Like that may have been her move, but I pictured it kind of like my kids. And I, and I think my kids actually did this when we were at the Great Wolf Lodge and like everyone's all packed in to see some person in a costume, and one of my kids is like, nope, I'm going to see, and like hits the floor, and just like, boom, boom, and like shoots by, and like zips out. I don't know if you've ever been in a crowd when a kid or somebody does it, and you're like, they're also like, what was that? And like, there's just a kid, and they're like, all right, that's, that's totally what I picture. Like, everybody's just crowded around Jesus, trying to get it, and she's all like, um, ain't going to stop me, down, boom, and in she goes. And the Bible says that she, she reached up, and she touched the hem of his garment, and I think that's the bottom, the seam there the, at the end. And that's why I pictured her on the ground, like crawling through the crowd. Like, and then when she touches it, she's healed. But this is what happens. Jesus stops and goes, who touched me? And his disciples look at him and like, everybody touched you. Like, you're in a can of sardines here. Like, everybody's piled in. Like, what do you think? Everyone's touching you. And he goes, No. Somebody touched me. And they're like, we agree. Everybody touched you. I felt power go out of me. Somebody touched me. And I begin to 
look. And then he, she goes, oh, I, I, she's like, I, I'm caught. it was me. I touched you. And, and he just looks and he congratulates her and says that your faith has made you well. And, and, and he congratulates her. But, but here's this thing. She was there in the crowd. Do you realize that Jesus had the power? And the whole crowd was touching Jesus. But she walked up. And something was different. And see, what, what makes this more astonishing is if you fast forward and you go look in the book of Acts, it says that as Peter was walking, they would line the people up so that his shadow would touch them. Okay, first off, my shadow has never accomplished anything. I guess like mild entertainment when you get like shadow puppets or whatever. I'm not even very good at those. But the idea that Peter's shadow to heal people blows me away. But here, ponder this with me. Jesus, they're bumping into him and nothing is happening except for the one lady who gets in there and is like, if I touch the hem of his garment. But Peter, they're all like, what way is the sun? Oh, his shadow's gonna be on this side. Everybody pile on this side of the road. Lay down. Like, line them up. Did Peter have more power than Jesus? So the problem or the answer wasn't in the quantity of power that they were carrying. It was that some of them Bob fell in the way on my stuff. Most of them were doing this. But when the people who plugged in receive something. See, going to church is wonderful. I am all for going to church. I am a pastor. I like going to church. Um, and those that are missing out because they can't be here online, I am glad that you're joining us online. Take advantage of the chat. Say hi. Get connected because there is so much power in being connected with the body. But it's not enough to just be in the church. It's not enough to just be around the power. It's not enough to lay next to a plug-in. I can take that thing and I can bounce it all around a plug and that doesn't mean that it's powered. And sadly, I think a lot of Christians are in that spot where they go, hey, I went to church. Why isn't my life different? How come I'm not experiencing the goodness of God? How come I'm not experiencing the power? How come I'm not seeing the fruit that the Bible talks about? They're like, well, but, but, but I went to church, but I went around this, but I, I heard the teaching. There were people crowded around Jesus bumping into him who got nothing. But somebody looked and said, hey, the Bible says in the Old Testament, it says that there's healings in his wings, the wings of the Redeemer that was to come, that there would be healing in his wings. And she goes, I'm going to touch the wing of his garment and I'm going to be healed. There's a promise. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to act on it and my life's going to be changed. And it was changed. There were people who said, no, he's got the power. He's talking about Jesus and he said that his power is here to heal. Let's line up and we're going to get healed. I don't care if it's just a shadow, we're going to receive something. And they took God's word and they begin to apply it. They begin to say, all right, I'm going to get this in me. And when I do, it's going to begin to... Try again. 
I'm going to get this word in me, and it's going to change and transform me, and it's going to make a difference in my life. God's power is still working today. See, it didn't run out when Jesus left physically. It didn't run out when the disciples passed away. In fact, he said that the promise of his Holy Spirit and of power was for all who would call on him and for those who were afar off. That's you and me. We were afar off and it is for us. When he went up to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And he commissioned us to go out with his power and his authority and see his will done. But when he did this, there is so much that's for us. And a lot of times we discount it. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. With how many spiritual blessings? Every. So this is a lot of good and great things that God wants in us and for us. But here's the thing. A lot of us look around and try to determine God's will based on our circumstances instead of on God's promises. But God's promises reveal God's will, not our present circumstances. The... So, so often we look and we go, I know the Bible says that God wants us healed. I know the Bible says that God wants to be our supply. I know the Bible says, but I didn't see that. Therefore, God's will is what I've encountered. But you you can't Just look around to see God's will. If, here, let me me show you this in, in Exodus. God tells the people of Israel, I want to deliver you out of Egypt and I want to take you to a promised land. And he does it like, this is amazing. He goes through, and if you've never read the story, it's in Exodus, it's really cool. God delivers them 10 plagues on Egypt to get them to be delivered, and then they get, they get free, and then they decide to chase them, and they, God splits the Red Sea apart. They get to walk through. After he delivers them from, from the Egyptians, he goes through and he feeds them with bread falling from heaven. He, like, rocks bring forth water. I mean, there's just weird stuff that God does as he is, like, miracle after miracle providing for them. They get to the promised land. You know why they call it the promised land? Because he promised to give it to them. It's pretty simple. And so he promises to give it to them, and they get there, and they walk in, and they go, there's bad guys. There's big people that are there that aren't going to give up the land. We can't do it. Was the promised land God's will for them? Yes, that's why he promised it. Like, this is like rocket science. How do you know what I want? What I tell you I want, that's what I want. Like, that's like literally it. He goes, no, no, I'm promising this to you. But out of like two million people, Two of them go, well, God promised it. We can have it. And the rest of them go, "Mm, those guys are big. I don't think so. I think we should just die in the desert. You're like, do you have any idea how stupid that is? You're afraid they might kill you, so you say, I'm going to go, rather to go die. You have literally nothing to lose. But anyways, okay, so off the rant. 
Here's the point. God wanted something for them, but they chose not to follow his direction and missed out on the promise. Not because God didn't want it. See, a lot of times we look and we go, well, I haven't experienced it, therefore it's not God's will. But that's not the case. God wants these great things, but sometimes we're just not plugged in. Sometimes you go, but, but I'm going to church, but I'm, I'm right next to the power, but I've read my Bible. John chapter 15, verse 7, he says, abide in me and my words abide in you. And you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Not, hey, take a glance and look at it. Not, hey, if you attend church. But he goes, no, you need to abide in me. Stay connected. And what does that look like? Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments. He says, if you want to see God's will done, you're going to have to do what God says. The simplest step to seeing God's will come to pass in your life is do what God says. And it's kind of obvious that if I disobey what God says, I'm not going to see what God wanted to see because he told me what he wanted me to do. Like, I know that's simple, but it's really easy to forget. Because I talk to people, and I have never met a single person who says, my goal is to have a miserable marriage. Never. I have never talked to somebody who's like, yes, I want my spouse to hate me. That would be success in life. If only I could come home to be yelled at. Like, that doesn't happen. But do you realize a lot of people have miserable marriages? And I look and I'm like, well, why? Is it because God's will for them is a miserable marriage? No. Not at all. In fact, God says that marriage can be awesome. And Ephesians 5 gives out some really simple instructions for marriage. And a lot of times, people are like, well, I, all the time people will tell me, they're like, because it lays out instructions for him and it lays out instructions for her. And the guys will be like, yes, I want my wife to do that. And she's like, suck it up, buttercup. You better be doing that. And they sit here and want to complain that the other person isn't doing their part rather than do what God said to see what God wants. And they sit here and, and instead of, when, when someone's, when, when he's lousy, instead of sitting here going, you know what, God said I'm to, to honor him, they sit here and go, well, you stink. And then instead of appreciating her, loving her, and laying her, his life down for her, if he sits here and cusses her out and tells her that she's no good and then wonders why his marriage stinks, what, what's, and I've literally had conversations with people about that where you're like, you, you want a good marriage, but you're, you're, you're cussing your spouse out. And you don't understand why it's, why it's not like a honeymoon. God gave you instructions. And if you'll follow his instructions, you'll start to see his will come to pass. When we connect to him, that's when we can begin to see fruit produced. See, the, the more hazardous the conditions, the more it's going to get put to the test. The rougher it is around me, the more I'm going to probably want to do it my way. But if I want to see God's will, I need to do it God's way. I need to plug into the source so that his life, his strength, and his power can flow through me. And I can begin to see my life change and transform. Because hazardous conditions aren't just global pandemics. 
hazardous conditions happen, when your marriage is rough, when your job is experiencing turmoil or loss, when you don't get those sales and you're not sure how you're going to pay things. Turbulent conditions happen when your kids keep you up all night and you don't get enough sleep and you're trying to deal with patience with them and you're tired. Or when your neighbors are blowing stuff up until two in the morning and you're just tired and you're going, how can I human, much less be known and recognized by the love and the presence of God. But when we get into God's word, the more that we get into it, the more it can change who we are, what we act like. When we apply it to our life, it will produce fruit in our life so that we can see God's will come to pass in our lives. See, it's not just this, hey, I went to church. It's going, no, I'm going to abide in it. I'm going to plug into it. I'm going to get in God's word and let God's word get in me and I'm going to let it direct my steps. And when it directs my steps, it'll produce fruit. And that's how we see our lives changed and transformed. And the more hazardous, the more important that we're in the word that we apply, the word that we plug into his presence. It's not enough to be around it. It's not enough to be in church. We've got to be connected to the source. And for some of you guys, you're like, yes, connected to the source. Others are going, you know, things have been pretty hazardous and I have not done extra maintenance. I have not spent more time with God. I'm running low. I need to spend more time connected. And some of you are going, I have never connected to God. I have never made God the source of my life. I've never recognized him. I've never started a relationship with him. I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says in, in Romans 10, 9, it says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So we're going to do something simple. I did this differently last service. I want to do this a little different. Can you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here and say, I am not connected to the source. And if you're online, you don't need to bow your head because we can't see you anyways. But you, this, this goes to you as well. If you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have not, the invitation is there and it is for you. If you say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm going to ask that you go ahead and raise your hand when I count to three. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand. Say, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. And I see four hands, five hands, six hands. There. Awesome. If you're online, you can, on the website, you can raise your hand there. I want you to, everyone to join me. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to call on his name, just like the Bible says. So go ahead and join me as we say this. Say, God, thank you for loving me, even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.